Pierre, you want to come out here? Nani? Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Identity Booth. And I know what you're thinking. My goddamn friend is still here. Have I, have I cheated you guys well enough? Yes, I have. We have the ultra-talented, super-famous, lyrical master, Domati Pongo, back in the identity booth. Let's just give a round of applause. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Mo. Thank you for having me. This is a beautiful thing here. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you guys don't know, we had a great episode. I'm going to click, and it's going to be up there in the corner. Click on it. You guys can go check out that other video. We asked my homeboy here five very pertinent questions, I believe. Yes, sir. Tell you about Very me. good questions. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, telling you a little bit about the man and his plan. And he has a big plan. So, check it out. You have a bunch of things you want to plug. Something you want to plug? Yeah. Uh, my social media is Domiti, D-O-M-E-T-I underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I have a show called Need to Know on MTV News that airs on those platforms or MTV News platforms. And I have a new series coming out in January of 2020 that is a really powerful investigative journalism piece that I think people will appreciate. No, and definitely they will because I'm going to put all that great stuff in the comment section in the description below. You guys will have clickable links. You know you got to like. You know you got to share. If you've made it this far, I don't even know why I keep telling y'all. you made it this far, you might as well just go ahead and subscribe. Yeah. You got a bunch of great content coming up. And you know, he's official. He works for MTV. Like, I'm, I'm literally climbing my way up to the top, y'all. And you wouldn't want to say you was one of the originals. You yes. know, you want to say that you was in the be- there in the beginning. But for today's show, this is just the catch up. And for you know, neutral show, the catch up is just basically a conversation with someone who knew me in the past uh-huh. and what we're doing today. It's just whatever it has to be. There's no time. There's no rules. However you be, and this is actually if you want to get into your whole style, because I know you sometimes you want to ask the questions. Yeah, I was. It was funny last time I was itching. I was like, <laughs> I can see. I it. was like, just I yeah. But I just warm us up with the situation, and just you know, we talk about how much, how many people we got to see, and how many mm-hmm. things we got to do when we're home. But me, you have two very different plans since being home. Like my plan is not to be seen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like everyone that wants to see me, they gotta come here. I forced them here. Like that's true. Hey, but you and mine is total opposite. I want to go everywhere. I want to see everybody. I want to tap back in because I've been away in a in a dungeon in a cave. It feels like, and so I want to reconnect. No, definitely. And I don't want people to get the. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I thought you was pointing at what. No, no, no. I had a question, but then I want. No, what is it? I was gonna ask. I'm switching gears totally. Mm-hmm. I was gonna ask. What inspires you to grow your hair out? Because I love the locks and the, the cut is um it's like it's not just that you have locks. You got the you got shaved yeah. on the side. It's like it's really it's it's a brave look. It's a different look. You look like a rock star and you're a doctor. And I always wonder in my mind from a distance as I watch you and because I know you, I wondered if it was an act of rebellion because you already know that you don't look like the what people would perceive a medical professional to look like. So it's like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna mess you up all the way. Yeah, it's, and flip the whole image on his head. Was you, that it? Or? No, you got it absolutely right. And I think it, it kind of just spoke to like the person because too too often in life I find myself like trying to brace people for seeing me or meeting me, trying to prepare them like being soft spoken. Or even cowering in my chest. Like, I have a 50, 58 chest. Like I The can't fact that hide. you know what your wingspan is. Crazy. It's just, I can't I can't hide these things. And what ultimately became for me, I think this, the story that changed it for me, like, the thing that made it, con- like, conventional for me, was uh, I was at an interview 
uh, for med school at, um, it was at Texas Tech. And I remember sitting there looking across from the person that was talking to me. And he was an Indian dude because uh-huh. they didn't have any black people to interview me there. And this Indian guy kind of looked at me with concern, but he was like, you know, you're not their, you're not their type. And I didn't understand what he meant by that. Because and this was a conference, medical conference? This was, this was a medical interview, like for, mm, to get into their school. To get into good school. And he was like, you know, they don't look like, you don't look like them. He's like, the hair is a little intimidating. And then he said, brother, I'm not telling you this at, despite you. I'm the, bro- I'm the blackest person here. And he's Indian. Like, mm. you know, he was telling me for a precaution. And I told him, like, you know, if you can't accept me as I am now, then how am I ever supposed to be accepted by my patients? Like, it's not about the outside world. But he then, he, he then, he challenged me. He said, you know, well, then do me a favor. Find your, find your brother and ask him what, he, what you should do. And I was like, okay, cool. Let me look this up. And, you know, I went to their website, looked down their list. There was one dude. But I was like, wait a minute. Throughout scrolling throughout their website, I saw plenty of black people on the page. And as I came to find out that those were paid actors to pose and take pictures. So it dawned on me right then and there that they couldn't bring themselves to let anyone into their school. And if you go to their website now, it's still confirmed as far as 2017. Every single black man is the same exact black man and he's not a doctor, he's an actor. And the thing that drove me to do this more and more is like, I have grown tired of it. I've, I've literally grown exhausted of trying to prepare people to meet me. You have to, you're not, I'm, I don't have the energy for it. I don't have the spatial awareness right. for it anymore. That's like, right. I, I literally, I've let go of career opportunities. I've let go of $100,000 opportunities because there's been a grift in appearance or just someone taking up for me. I literally have to tell my employer one day, I was like, you do understand I'm a black man, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like people aren't going to give me the benefit of the doubt. So That's when right. you send me into Louisiana as a surgeon and they're saying that I can't sit inside of the lounge because, uh, because I didn't have my badge with me, but I'm here walking with a human lung. Mm. You have to be able to stand up and say, well, I think there's something wrong with you guys' policy because clearly he was there for Healthcare purposes. Right. So whatever your reasons are, but instead of you not to me, you know, people are more consciously aware about protecting their own ass, which is great, but you only have integrity once. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people show me their level of integrity when it comes down to these battles. Yeah. So. And I love that as like, as, as, as African too, like I, I had to battle with that. Even throughout high school, you'll know, I, you knew me as Demetti because everybody in school mm-hmm. knew me as Demetti because I got tired of correcting, correcting my name. Yeah. And it wasn't until I started rapping and I went by Doma T, the prophecy, that people started saying my name like that. But they even thought that I had changed my name to make it, you know, like, to, for, they thought I changed it for aesthetic purposes, for hip hop. Yeah. Yeah. And like, even in, in, you know, getting into journalism, there was a meeting at my first radio station about whether or not I should change my name. Like, completely. Like, should it be Dominique? Should it be Dom? Should it be. I'm like, ah, no. you know, and so, yeah, you get to a point where you like, I'm going to force you to reckon with, you know, you assimilating to me rather than the other way around. Now, like, I've been meeting now, so man, I'm for the interview. No, like, no, no, uh, no. It's you good. have every reason. <laughs> I could, the balls. Could you imagine the balls if I walked into the office and be like, hey, dick. I don't like that name for you now. Your name is Razak. Right. <laughs> Razak right. Fumikali. Razak like, Fumikali. I'm like, what? You are Olawa. <laughs> you know, like what? With the balls. And yeah. it's just like, you you fail to realize how quickly things could devolve. Because it's, 
there's a certain aspect of you that wants to be uh, accommodating. There you go. There you go. You don't want you don't want this to be a thing. I want the I want to spend the energy doing what I came to do, whatever I can do to help. Yeah. And want to be accommodating. But, but when they don't allow you to like I, like just for preference reason, like I remember this like like it was yesterday. Hmm. I was at TSA, getting but going through TSA, and the guy stops me and says, "Hey, this is a this is a different name." I was like, "Yeah." He said, "Well, how do you say it?" I said, "Hero." He was like, doesn't look like hero. I said, so you're going to tell me, the person you just asked, how to say my name, how to say my name. Right, right. To which he then said, but that's not how it's spelled. I said, sir, once again, you're going to ask me, the person who owns the name, how to say the name and not be satisfied with the name. So what would you want to call me? Right. And as he opened his mouth, said, Toby. And he and it instantly dawned on him like, yeah. well, I didn't mean it like that, but, but didn't you? Yeah, but yeah. Didn't you? You know, you're inspired. I'm, I'm going to do more of that. Like, sometimes, um, I think I think because I talk so much, sometimes in those interactions, I'm just so ready for the interaction to be finished that I don't even... But, every, but it has to feel good to make that person sit in that. Yes. And you carry that for a minute, yes. like... You know, yes. I, I, yeah, I just treat that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, it, it and, feels good. Because sometimes I, like- I, I let those moments... Those moments just pass because I have a temper. Sometimes I don't even want to do and something. I might flare it up. And I feel like, if, and I encourage you to do it, but you have to do it with the intent of teaching them a lesson. Mm-hmm. It can't be out of malice. Right. Because from this day forth, whenever he sees somebody with an interesting name, he'll now learn to accept whatever is given to him. Right. Because once again, you are looking for information. You got the information. You yeah. weren't happy with it. And now you're challenging me. Yeah, yeah. That's a welcome conversation, but guess what? It's not the conversation to have in front of TSA when there's holiday travel. Exactly. Like, pick a room, bro. Like, yeah. if you want to interrogate me, let's go back in the back and I'll call my lawyer, right. you call your supervisor, and we'll sit down. And we're not making small talk. Like, if we, if, if he was just curious and you were making small talk, say, here, oh, it doesn't look that way. All right, have a good day. That, that would be it. Yeah. And then maybe you would be open and saying, well... Yeah. Yes, that's what it means. I, and, I and then, you, yeah, I because humor you. I heal you because now you we're, we're having small talk, yeah. but now you, you create this combative thing. It's yeah. like, but I, I want to know this too. Like you've lived so many lives <laughs> since high school, and I thought that I remember bragging on you when you were with the New York Giants, and I've never gotten a story about going from you know going to UAPB. I don't know what you studied in undergrad. All I know is you went to the Giants, and and I know how challenging. It can be being on those NFL rosters. I think they even went on to win a Super Bowl that year. Yeah, yeah. And then um, then you totally shift gears and go into the medical field. Um, as briefly or as verbose as you want to, What? how did you end up in the NFL? Why did you leave the NFL? And how did you know that medicine would be a new calling? So... For the you were with me in high school when I first got. I didn't play football till my sophomore year right. in high school. I didn't know what American football was when I first got. I was known for wrestling. Like, when did you come to the states? Fifteen. Got you. I didn't realize that. That was like my first year. You lost your accent quick. I part of the uh, part of trying to uh, assimilate. I spent uh, six months in the UK working on my uh, English. So uh, I went there right before and then came back, got my stuff, and came back overseas. So like. I got here and I was just trying not to stand out. But what I quickly found out was like people like KJ, people like Piggy, Rogers, Coward, they wouldn't leave me alone from the aspect of sports. Like Coward got me in his reading class. And once he got me in the reading class, he was like, well, you read at eighth grade level as a sixth grader. So, you know, we're going to put you 
in, in honors. And that's where I started to meet you, started to meet Shonda and all these other people. So as soon as I got on the football field, it was just so natural. And I was just so much bigger and stronger than everyone else. That's you right. know, in Nigeria... And Africa, when we go, when you gotta go get your bath water, you gotta walk a mile to go get with the two pills on your shoulders. Yeah, yeah. You build a level of endurance that the world hasn't seen yeah, yet. Yeah. So when I came back here, it was just natural for me. So I remember my like senior year, I'm sitting there looking for colleges to go to, LSU, NIU, I. But they're all talking about we'll give you partial scholarship and you can play your junior year. Mm. And I'm saying to myself, I didn't really like playing football. I just like having friends. Mm. I just enjoyed the camaraderie. But when I got a call, and Coach Z at the time, he was he was upset when I told him, oh, I think I want to go to go on an interview with Arkansas Pine Bluff, HBCU. I didn't know what HBCU was, but that was the only school that offered me. So I went down there, and I asked the driver, I was like, where are all the white kids? He was like, this is an HBCU, son. And I was... For the first time in a long time, I felt like, I, after four years of being in America, I felt like I was back home. Mm, wow. It just seemed natural. Right, they didn't right, have the right. facility. They didn't have the, the, the hoorah. The stadium looked smaller than TF North. Right. But I felt home. Felt so when right. I came home, I came back here. I was like, yeah, I'm going to, uh, to Arkansas Palm Bluff. And in my three years there, I got all 32 NFL team scouts to travel 45 minutes from Little Rock via car to come see me practice because I refused to ever go to any of their facilities. I said, if you want to see me practice, you got to see me practice in my element. Why Why? Uh, why was that? Because I had seniors on the team with me who wanted to get looks. Raymond Weber, the receiver, ah, the receiver for the Miami, Miami the one. Jets. He got his, he got, he'll tell you to, to this day. I rode Heroes Coattail. Arthur Thomas, Teron Armstead, Four seven. He's in the league right now. Four seven, three hundred fifty pounds. They saw these people for the first time by coming to see me. <laughs> I played one year, eight games, got my check, and I was literally cut the day after the Super Bowl. And they gave me the option of getting a check or the ring. And I was just so flabbergasted with the situation. But I already known by game four, I didn't like it here. Did you? So you chose the check instead of the ring? Yeah. How come? Debts to be paid. Yeah. You, family can make more. The ring, I can I can literally have that ring made anytime, anywhere. But yeah. at that time, I needed the money. I can, I can pay off bills. I yeah, can, I can get yeah. things done. And, and the sport didn't necessarily have like this sentimental value for you? It, the, I, it's nice being strong, being fast, you know. But really, I'm wearing a helmet on a field with a name on my back. Do you take that name off my back and the helmet off my head and put me on any corner in the in the streets? People are avoiding me. Mm. People didn't recognize me without it. I walked all up and down New York for for a year mm. and no one would ever recognize me. Mm. The moment I came out that stadium uh, home shell wearing the helmet, I would be cheered on by thousands of people. Great, but that's not what I was there for. I was there for the camaraderie of my team. Once again, I loved my teammates more than anything. And in that business world. That's not a reality. Yeah. Literally, they cut my roommate while I was sleeping. We were in the same room. I'm sleeping. I wake up. His bed is empty. We go to sleep together. I wake up. His bed is empty. Wow. It's a it's a no nonsense type sport. And at some point, I just realized like I have a degree in chemistry, mm-hmm. a minor in mathematics and criminal justice. I can I don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't. 
this is this isn't what I you know studied for. I graduated. Mm-hmm. All my friends didn't graduate, right. but I did. So I was like, mm-hmm. I need to internalize my happiness. I need to figure out now that I don't have the thing that made me happy, the thing that made me drive. What would I do if I could do nothing? If I had to do something and I didn't have anything to do, what would I do? And I said, well, I would want to help people. Mm-hmm. How could you make? How could you be most impactful? And that's when I started paying attention to like. Black health, like 36% of African-Americans suffering from treatable heart disease is not, they're not being treated because number one factor, not because they don't have insurance, is because they don't feel like they can go to a hospital and find someone to relate with their issues. So that's just representation right there. So I said, I, I can do this. I can be representation. I can be that person they go to and feel comfortable to talk to. And it makes perfect sense when you think about the barber barbershop situation and the cookout situation where we're willing to tell our mailman and our bartender what's wrong with us mentally, physically, and health, but not willing to tell it to a Caucasian physician who just came in, flipped through a chart and says, well, your blood pressure is high. Take these pills. We'll see you next month. Yeah. Mm. Is this difference? Wow. So, like, that's like it in a nutshell. You that's know, dope. You just, yeah. But th- they have literally heard the story to death. Like, ah. <laughs> the few viewers that have watched it, they've heard this story to death. But, like, it's still great content because, like, once again, this is a catch up. Like, you didn't know this Yeah, I didn't know this story. So, I'll, I'll even double back with that because, like, I need to get into the identity booth way more. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good ass show. It's literally so much content. It's a good ass show, man. I appreciate it, man. Like, I it probably probably go 25 episodes because the first few episodes, <laughs> yeah, man, we were That's exactly how I feel about Need to Know. That's how I feel about my show. Like, the first we were one, struggling. Ugh. But I mean, now that you have this ability to kind of dictate how people see your work and how you do your work. Because I think that's super important. Like, you were talking about the importance of having control, the ability to control your image. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about how important it is to maintain that image, image and style. Because, like, I, like I'm going to push up on this. This is the second time I'm bringing this up. If you guys can pay attention. Like, your social life doesn't interfere with your work life, but your social life has a lot to do with your work life. A lot of the reason why you're in the position you're in is because of what you were doing socially. Uh-huh, yeah. So yeah, tell yeah. me, how do you keep that balance? That's like... I. We're blessed to be doing. Well, I'm I'm blessed to be doing something that I would be doing if no one paid me. Mm. So it just so happens that my social life, like I mean, you know, who wouldn't you? You could send somebody for free to the VMAs red carpet and say you're gonna talk to DJ Khaled, Rick Ross, Megan Thee Stallion. Red man, Method Man. Like, well, nah, I didn't get Method Man. You didn't get him. I didn't get Method. He wasn't there. He didn't. Oh, okay. He didn't make it to uh, to Jersey for I'm the VMAs. He just walked past. Just, you? Yeah, I know. Nah, <laughs> uh, naughty by nature. You yeah. know, you're gonna talk to these people. Um, you know, some anybody would kill for that opportunity. So, a lot of it that that's my social replenishment. You know what I'm saying? Even when I go to the club and stuff like that. Like, if I'm kicking it with friends, you know, I kicked it with. You know, Dave Clausell we went to high yeah. school with, Dave C., who's a promoter now in Chicago, and we, we went out and we, we kicked it. Uh, we, we weren't supposed to say names, so now I got to send him the show. <laughs> you got to send him the show. I got to send him the show, so he has to watch. <laughs> now, so I can say his name. I remember the rules. Yes. That's good. That's a good, that's a good rule. So I'm going to send Dave the show so he can watch it. But, like, you know, he's a promoter now, and, you know, he told me yesterday, since five years old, he had the dream of being a party promoter. So when I'm out with him, I'm not just kicking it, but I'm also sharing him because I'm sharing his brand, sure. which is actually work. Yeah. And then it's also showing people that 
when I come home and I'm in Chicago, I'm active. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the field. I'm respected by my peers. Yeah. It's a, it's all a branding thing. Yeah. And so, you know, thankfully, my social life feeds right into my work life. Now, because I have to socialize and talk to people so much, a lot of times I just want to sit home and be in silence. I want to meditate. I want to read. And I just want to unplug. So I'm getting better at figuring out, you know, what what I really want to do with my free and I'm newly single so I'm getting better at figuring out what I want to do with my free time in that way man you missed out (laughs) (laughs) what were you thinking what were you thinking you could have made it to the final cut you could have been on the roster what happened you'll be back February 14th ain't too late you're a free agent you're a free agent I'm a free agent and to be clear all that smoke it's for all my old exes. My most previous ex is still my homie. I love her. But all my old exes, you missed out. <laughs> you have been on them, TV. <laughs> but it's, I don't know. Like, and you think about it, especially like, our Nigerian, our African parents. Yes. You know, they love, they love family. They love family so much that they want you to have families that you don't even want yet. Yeah. So, like, I've been home now, so I've gotten the conversation. You know, moms, I'm lonely. Uh, the house is empty. The house is quiet. I would love some some kids to be running around. I see you taking pictures next to all these beautiful women, but you don't show them to me. Is it me? And it's like no. It's just that you know, I've, for so long in my life, I've been trying to find a stable medium where I can give my family, my mom, the ability to have. A 60th birthday party with 300 of her closest friends mm-hmm. and give her a house that she doesn't have to worry about and give my brother and sister's situation you know we trying to figure out the best way to make up for the shortcomings of our people that's right we're trying to figure that out so like we don't I don't feel no pressure towards it because luckily for me my my shit gonna work no matter how old I get that's real women definitely have a lot they have more, a, yeah they have a lot more to worry about and say and I always tell, like, women, they be like, well, so how do you know when you're ready? You're going to be ready here. I'm like, she's going to dictate that for me, my partner. She's you, think gonna, so? you think she's going to, she's, okay. Not Explain so, that. Break it down. It's not so much as, like, she's going to come up and say, I'm ready to marry you now. But I'm looking for an equal and opposite. And I'm, so when you find and when everything clicks, because she is everything that you didn't know you were looking for, exactly. you will then know that. Uh, yeah, I say that, too. Like, I, I feel like. I feel like sometimes, um, like, when a man is decided he's ready to get married, he'll be married, but he's just wait, he's waiting for some of these pieces to connect, whether it's financially, emotionally, personally, like, these different things. And so, like, do you feel like you're ready to find the one, or are you not yet ready to find the one? You get what I'm saying? I'm ready to find the one. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the one that is, that's going to find me is ready to be on the move with me, because... You're in a relationship now, or no? No, I'm not okay, in a relationship right, right, now, right. but, like, in the last three years, these are the places I've lived. Toronto, D.C., and Dallas. Mm. Those are three different locations. All three opportunities were six-figure opportunities. I'm not going to tell someone who just recently found their, their sweet home job, got settled, and be like, well, I'm going to D.C. Come on, uproot everything, and, come on. No, I'm not that selfish. Uh-huh. I know how planes work. But I'm also a physical person. <laughs> right, right. I don't like that whole... I can only talk to you on the phone for so long. I'd much rather be able to run my hands through your hair. That's so, weird. like, I'm greedy. 
but I'm I'm not greedy enough to start a relationship and break and like break your heart or force you to make tough decisions. Yeah. So yeah. if if I found someone who was on that same route, or when I get to a place, like I feel like in three years, the next place I go to is going to be the last place I move to. Right. So like once I get three years, I'll give myself a three year window. Like if I'm talking to you, there's a good chance you probably get a ring if you make it to Thanksgiving. So tell me, how ah, that's real. That's, so tell me this. I've been thinking about this too. We've been talking about like being equally yoked with the partner. I, I've been mm-hmm. talking to friends about this, and and I think sometimes people have on paper things that they an ideal for who they want that isn't practical in practice. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious to know, would you want then? Because the the type of women that would be okay with being uprooted and moving with you at any point might not have might be a homemaker. Yeah, for sure. Might not have a job. Might not have a lot going on. Are you okay with being with a woman whose sole source of income? Is you while she takes care of the household, or are you not attracted to that type of thing? I've yet to date a woman that has been more financially stable than me. Mm -hmm. And for the few lawyers and uh, physicians that I have dated, it's always been a situation where they were still up and coming or building their brand. I've literally had I have a I had a four hundred thousand dollar house in D.C. Mm -hmm. like, and I sold that with a thirteen percent profit. Like I. I am comfortable being a man and doing man thing. That's right. I'm not going to sit here and ask you to pay for half. I'm not right. going like if you wanted to uproot and move, the 5k would have took the move. You don't you're not I'm not worried about you finding the 5k for that. That's right. on me. Like I'm not asking you to do nothing that I'm not going to do. That's right. So like usually when I come to women with these, they already know that from dating me. It's not oh I can't. Oh, I don't have a car. I'll come get you. I said, yeah. I already know the Uber is going to pull up in like thirty three minutes. Absolutely. Like I'm not. Same type of that's time. not like, uh, and that's how I was raised. My mom right. didn't have. My mom started working out of boredom, mm-hmm. not out of necessity. So it's. I've been built to do that. But also, I know it's 2019 and the roles have changed. Yeah. Women want to be in charge and want to be empowered. I'm all for that. Yeah. So. If yeah, I find but it, for your situation, it might not be yeah, conducive to it. And a, that's why I think I said I'll be okay waiting that three years to like you know make sure I'm stable. So I'm already here, right. so you can be the great person you want to be, and you don't feel like you have to live vicariously through me. Because something I could see very demeaning and demoralizing is saying, "Hey, you know, can I borrow some money to do?" And ah, it's like I don't yeah. want you to feel that way. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. I don't want you to feel like, "Oh, uh, can we get a joint bank account?" Because I don't feel comfortable asking you for money. I don't want to demoralize you. You're my queen. I need you to be as mentally, physically prepared right. for the world as I am. Right. So a lot of what I would be doing is trying to build through my wife or make her my partner in a sense. If one of my comic books took off, guess what? I need you to learn how to be a publisher because that's you're now my CFO, CEO, and manager. Right, right, You right. need to be, hey, oh. Yes, that's right. That's the right. podcast takes off. I need you to learn how to edit because you're now my producer. Right, right, like, right. I'm going to. I'm not. You're not going to sit there and and that you. I mean, my partner understands that she has to be an equal opposite to me. Hero is six three, three hundred pounds. He likes long walks on the beach. <laughs> he enjoys art. <laughs> this ain't no. <laughs> but and I and I also play myself backwards too because it's like. I don't want to sit a lot of times like I meet these girls and they're just wow like they think it's a trick like yeah. 
no kids, no like what what's going on? What's going what's happening? And it's just like I understand what I bring to the table. That's right. So if you if you getting full at the table, it's gonna you're gonna be upset when that table gets pulled from underneath you. That's real. That's so real. I, I try and keep it. it honest. I try and keep it super honest. Like I tell I date with a purpose. That's like my new thing. Like I literally told this one girl, like, oh yeah, I just wanna eat sushi and I don't like eating it alone. That's real. And I like she that. was just like, So are we gonna meet again? I was like if I want sushi again, but like if you <laughs> want this conversation to proceed, you have to bring something to talk about with me. Because I just said, "Oh, you're gorgeous. I think I want to go out and spend some quality time with you." And that quality time is like sushi, and I'm good. Right. And right. she just didn't know how to accept that. She didn't. She because didn't, you because you didn't feel like she was the one. I didn't. It's not that you I didn't, didn't feel like, the one, but like to my mindset, like that's as far as I thought it was going to go. Got if you it, had man. something else on your mind, you got to bring that up. Like, got you got to show that because I'm not someone. I, I disagree slightly. Like, I feel like you dictate what you want from a woman. I think, I think that as men, like, I think, you know, we, we, whatever you put out there, she gonna roll with it if she like you. Well, I'm only good for paying bills and dropping off dicks. When it's, <laughs> dicks. So it's, like, it's like, it's like at some point, because I'm not going to see and pretend that a woman doesn't glorify, like, doesn't make my life better. Right. A woman's touch is essential to a man's growth. Right, right. So, even though there's no phase, facet of my life that a woman hasn't played an important role, even till today. So yeah. it's like, I need, like, and when I say, again, equal and opposite, I need her to tell me things that I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why that's why I'm coming Somebody to her. Somebody to grow with. Yeah. yeah. That I'm I'm in the opposite space, maybe probably temporarily because like my last relationship took a lot, probably the most energy, um, in a good way. You know, we we it was a it was a strong energy exchange, to where I'm really taking this time and singleness to get back to what what I'm about, what I like, what I enjoy, what I'm into, and, and it's it's fun. Like as you know, as I feel like a strong black woman. I'm dating myself right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I'm internalizing you know, my own happiness. My own happiness. You know that because there are things, there are things you compromise. Relationship you didn't even realize you compromised. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it, it could be something as simple as you know, because the TV is on and we spend most time in the same room. I forgot that I stopped watching the show I like to watch because she didn't like that show. Yeah. She didn't ask me not to, but just out of love, it was just like, yeah. I'm like whatever. But now. When I need to decompress, I'm spending hours watching rap battles and like when I, things that you know most women I date don't enjoy. And like so, it's, no, it's, I, I think it's interesting. It's super important for like a lot of people. Like I just got out of a relationship mm-hmm. while I was in DC. We we broke up because I was moving, and I I remember like Anaeli telling her like you've done so much for me. Mm-hmm. You you've really helped me out in these stressful situations right. because I don't feel like I handle a lot of my stressful situations appropriately and from a health, mental health standpoint. I'm a person who is okay walking through hellfire to get what he wants. That's right. But some people might let it go. I don't let it go. So she taught me how to let go of certain things and accept apologies and learn how to give them appropriately. Mm. So these were things that I fundamentally did not have, but it really pained me to like let her go because I felt like I hadn't learned all those lessons yet. That's right. So a part of me really feels like, man, especially as we get older, you become more stagnant in who you are. Like mm-hmm. not too much is going to change about me past this point. I feel like my mindset, my goals and my aspirations are going to get to a point where then it's like, I have a kid. Yeah. And then from that point on, whatever that kid wants, because that's, my goal. That, that's it. That scares me. That scares me too. Because, um, and that's why, you know, we talked about this on the last episode. 
Um, I've been in this place of being, you know, focusing on contentment and happiness and accepting what is happening very well. It was going really great in the present moment mm -hmm. because I'm such a constant go-getter for my own aspirations and what I have to do that, you know, of course, when family becomes involved, yeah. it has to be more about them. But that means that I might not be able to work on that, that movie or that, that documentary um, over in that during that time period because ah this is this is junior's football season. Yeah. I need I should be in town to go to these games. And you know, I feel like I feel like as we get older, because you, you hit a different gear. Yeah. There was a once upon a time there was a time when I could only lift two hundred and twenty five pounds. Right. And now I'm four fifty. Like you will find another gear. God You're damn. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. Right, right. Um, let me bring it back. Go yeah, back. Okay. Well, I can lift five times what you weigh. All right. <laughs> yeah, okay. all right. But fine. you, you, you will find another gear because I feel like it's ridiculous for me to sit here and say, as your parents are healthcare professionals, your mom and dad are doctors and nurses, and they had their kids, and their kids became successful, right. and it's not like their dreams and aspirations we stopped. stopped. Yeah, we will find another way of making it work. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I think that's, you have to find your cruising we're, altitude. You know, right now we're that. like this, yeah. and at some point you're gonna find like our a, generation is very afraid of hitting that plateau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because there's so much going on, like from yeah. a political standpoint. Like if if you're our age now, and you're not politically involved. People shun you. People yeah, yeah. make fun of you. Like, if you don't have a political opinion, oh, I don't really watch all that shit. I'm like, oh, you a fuckboy. Oh, you don't know what's going on. No, you ain't, brother. You don't know what's it's, going on. As, 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 as annoying as it sounds, it's important. Because it, it, it dictates what's going on. I don't know, like, what your political affiliation is, but I'm a liberal centerist. So I see Bernie as a, a future. But if, to the extent of just the future in general, just vote blue. I don't care who the fuck wins. It's better than putting 70,000 kids in the... 70,000 immigrant kids inside of uh, jail cells. Inside jail cells. So, yeah. like, whoever's not going to do that, that's who I'm voting for. Right, right, right. I believe we need a third party. Hey, you know, Eric, yeah. say hello to your yeah. new best friend. Because yeah. Eric's all about that third yeah. third, third branch. We but, need more options. But we I feel like that's... Party. But you know who that party takes from? What you mean? The, they take most majority voters from Democratic. Oh, yeah, take from... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so right. That's true. That's very true. one side that could that makes the other side strong just by default. I get that, too. Now, if it was able to pick up and take off, I'm all down for it. What What do you look for in a third third party? Um, it, I, I, I want someone who... That's a good question. Because there, there are certain things that liberals are... I'm trying to think of something that, that liberals are into that I'm not... 100% into. I'm trying to think of, of an issue. I think a lot of... Um, like, I'll tell you some things that I don't like about them. Yeah, yeah, break it down. Like, I'm thinking, I, was, I was thinking about gun laws, and I'm like, nah, I'm, I align with liberals on a lot of stuff. Uh, ta maybe taxes. Like, so this whole idea, ideology of trying to super tax the rich, that's not how you fix it. What you do is just break down the loopholes in our current tax laws. There's no reason why Jeff Bezos didn't pay a single dollar in taxes. There you go. There you go. But even I do I do want to clarify too though as as you I know you know uh but just for the sake of conversation when they say tax the rich they're talking about the super super, super the, the yeah, 1% of the 1%. 1% yeah. yeah. But also and and to that point the 1% of the 1% if they gave away $100 to the middle class the middle class is so badly shrunk down it wouldn't even make a difference. Mm. You have to that's a band-aid to 
a, a gaping chest wound. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. It's not going to be enough. You need Except, to suffice yeah. and break up situations where there are loopholes that money can be stored or hidden away. Yeah. And you need to find a way of bringing it back. Once again, there's... We have people who literally will be able to go into 2020... I paid $36,000 in taxes last year. Mm-hmm. There are people who made billions yep. and didn't pay a dime. They didn't pay a dime. Didn't pay a dime. Mm-hmm. It, the tax law needs to be fixed. Yeah. How you tax the rich is is a minute problem if you can figure out how to get Jeff Bezos just to pay his Just regular, to pay his and And then we wouldn't have to, why, why is the middle class, yeah, shouldering yeah. The, the burden here? So yeah. that, to more directly answer your question, so more sound fiscal policy and like really uh, detail ways in which we'll figure out how to fix these tax loopholes. So these billionaires, like if you, you don't need, a, you, don't, you might not necessarily need a grandiose plan for taxing the rich mm-hmm. if the current system was reformed to do what it was set out to, to do. So they don't create these like these non-taxable shell companies. Even the NFL is a a, oh, a non-profit somehow. Yeah. Like and and I want a candidate that can unapologetically or a party that would be willing to unapologetically champion black issues because now we're so concerned that oh, you know, maybe a candidate that prioritizes uh, minority issues will alienate the rest of the country so you have people running away from liberals because they feel like they're too far left and they can't get them to the center and so they're you know tepid in the way they talk about issues of race relations police brutality or really attacking this gender disparity between you know between the races stuff like that my argument ultimately to anyone who's always like yeah the liberals are too left and they say uh, like why well yeah they're all about like you know the LBGTQ and police brutality. I'm like, so you're not okay with those things? There, there, there you go. And like, I, I let them sit in it, and I'm like, understand. An injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. We right. all will suffer. If one group of us can suffer, you're next. And if we had more parties, you know, people could be more uh, pronounced in what it is they want to do. And you know, we saw this on the Republican side of the Tea Party. And to your point, the Tea Party took away the votes from the sound Republican candidates. And I put quote air quotes around that because a lot of these candidates think and move just like Donald Trump, mm-hmm. but are quieter and more, you know, uh, tactful about how they move. But yeah. the crux of their policy sometimes no, is just Eric the same. says it all the you time know, on podcast so. that uh, he likes his racist loud. Yeah. Loud and proud because he wants to see who's going to put the gun to my head. Yeah. And sit again sniped out. So, like, I think that's totally understandable but like in just in today's climate I don't think it's feasible because of just the situation we're in like we had a situation where we had the lowest population of African American voting in 2016 meaning if we just got every Democrat registered Democrat to vote the Republican Party loses and the Republican Party the fact that they're not allowing anyone the RNC is not allowing anyone to oppose Donald Trump speaks to the messaging like we are okay with this psychopath yeah, taking yeah. over and doing things so we have to be cognizant and aware that, like, and that's why I think like this impeachment stuff and anything you can do to just damage the situation we're in. Like, I hope the Senate goes to a private vote because if it's a private vote, if you mean to tell me there's some Republicans out there that will vote against Donald Trump privately, I'll let them be secret, yeah, about their things. But if we leave it to an open and we have to see each one of them, we can hold sure. them accountable. Like, but I, and I do want to be clear on this too. I don't identify as Democrat or Republican or liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or any anything. The problem is, though, we're so polarized because the races are so loud. It, if there is a sound Republican policy, it's attached to a person who has all of these other things that 
will injure the people I love. Sure. And so it's like, you know, we love to say, and then, you know, especially as a journalist, you want to be down the middle. I want to be nonpartisan. And I am nonpartisan, but take my job away from it as a citizen. I would love to say, let's hear from both sides. But that the other side is putting people I love in cages. So <laughs> yeah, is it yeah. that's a non-starter for yeah. me. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I'll come to the table with you about guns. You like yeah, I can, I can, yeah, with guns, yeah. I might be able to talk to you about guns because I think, you know, we should be able to, we should figure out a way for, for us to carry our pistols yeah. as a right. But, like, yeah, like. But I, ultimately, when it, like, you just have to look because I, I love having this conversation with, especially with doctors, because doctors who don't know me as being from Africa, they right. think, like, I'm a kid from Chicago. Right. And they're like, yeah, these illegal immigrants. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, I was an illegal immigrant. And then, yeah. True. And they're like, but you, but you work here. I said, well, yeah. You know, right around the time I was born, Nixon had given the partisan for all the people in the country. My mom was here. She was pregnant with me. So, hi, my name's Hero. Right. And it was just like, damn, I almost sent Hero away. Yeah, there you go. And you give them a reason. I think a lot of people... I, I, I resent that. Not to cut you off. I'm sorry I keep cutting you off. You no. just keep saying so many things that, that spark ideas. Like, I resent the fact that we have to be exceptional for them to realize, oh, but I like Hero. I thought he, I don't want to send Hero away. Yeah, uh, goddamn, I got to become a doctor. I got to become like damn near a millionaire before you say that I'm worth keeping. And it's yeah. just like, and, and, but once again, like, it's all about helpfully giving them a starting point to yep. realizing the error of their ways. Because ultimate, like, the fear that is put on people in the Republican Party about minorities and how, like, they're taking everything from us. Just like, weren't you in 2008 when our recession happened and everything was collapsing? And I didn't hear not a word about illegal immigrants then. And the worst economic time in our, to my knowledge, when I was alive, there was no cries about illegal immigrants then. That's right. But it's just about a narrative. And yeah. the Republican Party is great at giving us narratives Especially narratives to be afraid of. That's right. So they use it. So like when you want to pick sides, me and Eric will have a debate because Eric is middle of right. Okay. While I'm middle of left. Eric Black dude. Yeah. Uh -huh. He's a co-host on a on the channel. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I didn't know if he, I, I assumed he was black, but I didn't want because I'm trying to figure out how how can he be center right. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to figure Eric out. Eric was Eric. I'm not judging. I'm no, genuinely no, no. I'm genuinely confused. He he will he will nip things in the bud that he does not approve approve of. But he was raised in a in a Christian uh, in a Christian church and also went to uh, I don't know the name of what it is when you go to like Bible stu Bible studies for college. I don't know. Seminary school. Yeah. Okay. So he did that and he did it in the Bible Belt of the South. Okay. Okay. And he was raised in that. But as he was growing up, Eric became very demonstratory towards pastors or people who propagated hate speech through gospel. And he formed his ideology through that. He doesn't believe that we should be reaching or extending out our hand when there's people in Louisiana walking around still damaged areas of Harvey and Katrina. Mm -hmm. He doesn't feel that we should be extending our hand while there are people still suffering in our own land. He doesn't feel that we should be giving out uh, foreign aid. Foreign aid to to governments. To that, I would say, and then I, then I would love to get back to the catch up. But if, to that, <laughs> I would say, uh, America is number one trying to stabilize areas where they created the chaos. It, 
and I think the narrative has been, and and Democrats are so bad at messaging. The narrative has become (laughs) that we're trying, that the country is trying to just give resources to Ukraine out of the kindness of their heart, or or like, uh, or is giving doing stuff in Africa out of kindness. No, they're protecting their investments because they raped our continent for so long that if they let what they've destroyed continue to fester, they won't be able to come and pillage more resources to create these iPhones we love so much. So that's why foreign aid happens, because when you do pull foreign aid, you create vacuums and unrest in these places, and that unrest ends up becoming terrorist organizations or whatever, who's actually retaliating against what you did to create the conditions that turned their countries into third world countries. I think we have this idea that third world countries just became impoverished yeah. by osmosis. No, I, <laughs> I literally sat here and I'm, I'm putting Nafi on blast right now. I was telling Nafi the other day, she was telling me about how like, oh yeah, Iraq and Iran, these are horrible places. And I was like, but why? Well, that's what I heard on the news. And you're okay with that? Right. You're okay with the, the messaging? Yeah, well, they, they have nuclear weapons now, but they've always had nuclear weapons. In fact, they, we had a deal arranged that they wouldn't be able to enrich their uranium to have these weapons go nuclear. And guess who stopped it? Who? Well, Trump. Well, why would he do that? You think it would be to cause civil unrest so that American people would have something to fear? So that when we send military people over there, we seem justified in it? Hmm. And to Nafi, who doesn't pay attention to any of this, is a non sequitur. It doesn't matter to her. But the fact is, these are how, this is how they package their messaging and this is how the public receives it. I think it's like weird that in, in high school, especially, I think this started in high school, in high school, where government was taught so dry, mm-hmm. and now, as an adult, I understand more about our government than I ever did, and I got an A in that class. That's a fact. It's just like they don't want us to innately have this yeah. knowledge to oh, be able to that. have these conversations with people who don't readily understand what's going on in their world. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. It's true. And I think I want to want to touch on one thing with you that because we yeah. talked about it a little bit and it was the mental health and you talked about therapy. Mm, okay. In your first in the first podcast, I want to talk a little bit about what that means to you. Mm. Do you think therapy is something that would be useful to you? Absolutely. I think I think um, we get you know we get physicals for our physical body. Mm-hmm. You know we we check we get checkups and uh, we should we should check in with where we are mentally and emotionally. I think it's important. I think. I'm very excited about, and I just put a tweet uh, tweet up about this. Twitter at nomatdometi underscore. Uh, I just put a tweet up about, not not too long ago about um, how even though it's cool that therapy has become cool and everybody's talking about oh get therapy get therapy, we act like it's a panacea, like it's just like a, a, a silver bullet. I, I don't know the word I'm thinking about. Like it's just like fix all a fix all. And we act like you just find a therapist and there's an instant match. I don't, even if I find a therapist who looks like me, who understands where I come from, blah, 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 there may just be a disc. I might not feel comfortable opening up to that person. And you have to date around to find the right therapist, just like you date around to find the right friends and partners. And so, like, how do you... Well, I think I, I love that the conversations are happening. I think therapy and finding the right therapist is a little more complex than people may make it seem. I'm, I'm somewhat of a private person. It takes a lot for me to open up to somebody. And if I begin that process and then I find out that, oh, this wasn't a fit, I now feel like I've given a piece of myself to someone. Yeah. And like, ah, 
I got. I can't get that back. That, yeah. And, and speaking from a medical standpoint, because like we were, uh, it was it was newly introduced to the forensic world. Once uh, you deal, once you do a certain amount of autopsies, you have to go see the facility therapist. They gotta check you and make sure you're doing it because you're basically looking at deceased people from all ages and walks of life. Oh, so they yeah. have to make sure that you're, that you're okay. Yeah. Yo. So, okay. So like after doing a few of these cases, I, I would always get pulled aside at random. Uh, throughout the day they would pull me into the room they would sit me down and they would ask a, an assortment of questions and finally the therapist would come in and she's just like well here are we we've concluded from your test questions that your your fair and balance is is there a reason why you keep cheating this test hmm. and I told her like well you know if you know what if I know what you're looking for then of course I'm not going to give it to you because I want to work and she says, you do realize that you can take like time away from this and time away. I say, yeah, but I would like to be able to decide when I want to take time away. If you tell me I can't do it, then it becomes an administration thing. And she was like, well, you passed the test, so you're clearly going to be okay it's from that aspect. But could you tell me, what do you do when the day becomes too much for you? I said, well, I go down to the gym and I put about 600 pounds on a deadlift bar and I pick it up. And then I drop it violently. And she says, what do you think this is a reflection of? I said, this is a reflection of me dropping my troubles. Hmm. You stack them on, you pick them up, you take care of it, you drop it. And you do it often enough, you start to get better at it. Hmm. I'm building the muscles I need to take care of the job I got to do. And she was taken aback so much by that, that she literally wrote down on her paper for any future, he has a method. Don't mess it up. So... I tell people all the time. There you go. You therapy. I, I I'm happy you're talking about. It, I'm happy for. But what is your what method? is your method? What do you do? And and everybody isn't doesn't necessarily have to talk to a person. Number one, and I know some effed up people in therapy who are not exercising the advice that the therapists are giving mm-hmm. them. Number one, number two, I know some people in therapy who only. Because of the way they view the world, only tell situations to their therapist a certain way so they're not even getting the feedback that they need. And so therapy is a tool, but it's one of many. And for me, you know, I over the summer we working on the investigative series I was talking about, you know, we investigate violent crimes and you know, you see a lot of pictures of murder, you talk to a lot of crime families, a lot of crime mothers, and Mm -hmm. you you know, you take those things home with you. And, you know, my method you know, I stopped making music, but when I started making music again is when I was just write about these experiences yes. and I forgot that, you know, because I become so enterprising, so entrepreneurial, yeah. I'm like, if music isn't profitable for me or like, you know, when, since I stopped doing my open mic, I don't need to write verses no more. Or if I'm not putting it out, yeah. I don't need to do it. I forgot that it was before I started doing any of that. I wrote my first verse at six years old. You know, that is for me. Yeah. And so like, you know, I wonder why God gave me the gift the gift of gab if I would wouldn't use it musically because I've done it musically for so long. Yeah. I forgot that he gives some of us gifts that are for ourselves. Genuinely he gifts for ourselves. Some gifts you. are for the world, yeah. some gifts for ourselves. He gave you strength yeah. because that is because the work you're gonna do, you're gonna be carrying figurative loads. So I'm yeah. gonna give I'm gonna teach you how to carry heavy physical loads so that you can let go of that shit. So like it's yeah, that's dope. So like yeah, finding finding your method, no, finding therapy. I so think that's yeah. a, that's a great example of some talents are just for yourself because you think about all the people that you come into contact with and you see them and they're like, man, you're talented. But there's still literally people out there that don't know I draw. 
Right, right. Or don't know I have a comic book. And it's just yes. like, when? Like, when right. did you, when, when, you do when do you have time to do this? Right. I literally see you going from plane to plane or hospital to hospital. When do you have time to do When I'm and not I, looking at dead bodies. You, you got to <laughs> time. You, if there's going to be time for anybody in your, in your life, it should be yourself first. Like, I think, like, my dad said this to me, and it's always sat with me. He says, you know, you take care of yourself first, you take care of the person who's going to bury you second, and you take care of the people you're going to bury third. And it just it just registered for me immediately because it speaks to me, myself, because I can't do anything unless I have myself. The person I will bury, the person that will bury me, my future, I have to take care of next. And the people I will bury, if I'm not taking care of myself and my future, my present is non-existent. So the past, my family, don't have me. Nice, nice. Well, so Pop, well said. appreciate you, fam. <laughs> <laughs> That's so well said. This is this is dope, man. Man, it's been dope, man. It's been dope. It's been so dope that we might have to just go ahead and put a pause on this right now. So, like, I've literally kept him here for two days. For all you guys know, he's been my legit. He's been my prison. But like, I took off my jacket to try to make it seem like that on a different outfit. Like, everybody, do everybody tries to change clothes. It don't matter as long as I'm not changing clothes. You're right. Like, we think it's still dope. <laughs> now, the hero just doesn't shower. I just, right. Y'all don't know what I smell like to the camera. Sure. But give us one more time all your information, everything wow. that you're doing, because, like, I want everybody to know this is the last name here. I could stay longer, man. I wish we. I wish so much. I mean, we could do another to. show if you yeah, want to. Yeah, we're gonna do it one day, man. We're gonna like right. we're gonna make it happen. But yeah, if not, follow me um, at Domitdometi underscore. And you know, I just hope that uh, you know perspectives on the story I tell. I, I, you know, I get it right sometimes. Sometimes you may think I get it wrong. Whatever that is, share it with me and keep those conversations moving forward. Don't just you know retweet or like or share the content, but really engage with it. And if it didn't move you, let me know so that, so that I can grow and get better. That's something that Hero did really well with me, um, you know, when the show first launched. And, you know, just share with me, help help us grow and uh, move these conversations that matter forward. And look out for um, some new content coming from MTV News at the start, uh, top of 2020. No, definitely. And all that information will be in clickable links in the comment section and description below. Please go check out his stuff. You guys have literally been helping my channel grow at an exponential rate. And I really appreciate it. Like, and it comes from these open conversations. Like, we're in the identity group. We come here to identify with you as you constantly try to identify with me. And every day, every week that you guys watch one of these episodes, I hope you gain something. And it's something for you personally and also to share with the world. I think... It goes without saying we are eternally grateful to your presence. Thank, Thank you so you, much buddy. for coming here. Thank you, everyone. Uh, this has been the catch up. You guys take care of yourselves. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm done. 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 I'm